So it's Christmas Eve. It's time to slow down, hopefully breathe a little bit. It's a time to focus as well a bit more clearly on what and why we are celebrating. It's a time to turn our hearts to what matters the most, to be reminded, to be exhorted towards what is of greatest importance. And we've been doing that already this evening through songs and prayers and the reading of Scripture, the lighting of the candle. But to be honest, we have reminders of God's truth all around us every single day. But we often miss them, don't we? And we need, we need to speak truth to one another, and even we need to sing it to one another. Each Christmas Eve, I take just a little bit of time to look at a Christmas carol, from the likes of Joy to the World, to Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence Over the Past Years, to this year turning to the carol, Good Christian Men Rejoice. This song in particular is a song that calls each of us, obviously, to rejoice, doesn't it? To understand why we sing, to understand what all this is about, why we come here on a Friday late afternoon. It's an exhortation. Now, previous to this, over the past four weeks on Sunday morning, we've looked at the earliest songs of Christmas from Luke's gospel, where we've seen great rejoicing, we've seen relief and and praise and realized hope and much more, and all sung about God's people and even angels have burst forth into praise. And they've all been reminders to uh, to us of the reason we come together, not just in this season, but regularly week after week in worship. And I'm going to continue that idea tonight, helping refresh our hearts in why we sing, why we gather through the words of this particular carol. Now, the carol itself, I think, is fairly well known. It first appeared in John Mason Neal's hymn book, The Carols for Christmastide in London in 1853. Now, Neil was very much a student of hymnody. He loved hymns. He translated many of them. One of my favorite Christmas hymns, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Now, our carol for this evening, as it was translated by Neil into English, from a, uh, it was done so from a combination, actually, of both Latin and German. It's what is known as a macaronic song. So now you can at least say you learned a word tonight, a macaronic song, which is a song that combines Latin with a vernacular. Uh, with another language. It's, it's a mixture of two or more languages. And the carol itself, before it was translated into English, dates back to the late 14th century in German. Now, the tune is quite well known, I think. It's, it's actually titled In Dulce Jubilo. I have no idea if I'm saying that perfectly right in Latin, but what it means in Latin is in sweet rejoicing which I find to be a highly appropriate name for the tune. As, uh, as I was looking at this, one described the tune as rather sprightly. Um, it's, it's an upbeat tune. It's exactly what it should be. It moves along with a pretty significant rhythm because it would be utterly inappropriate to say, good Christian men rejoice with the tune of a dirge or something along those lines. But you know what? The joy doesn't come from the tune itself. The joy comes from the message that the carol communicates. It flows right out of the text that we looked at just a few weeks ago from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, 
keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, in this carol, there are three verses. They build upon each other. The first verse is the announcement of the birth of this Christ child. The second speaks to why He came, and the third makes very clear the results of His coming, but also it has an implied demand upon the hearer of this song. So, it starts, in the first verse, it says, "'Give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today.'" That's, that's the, inane, the, the announcement of the angel calling to the poor, to the lowly, to the, to the disregarded, the humble, to those shepherds out in the field. They were the first to hear the news. Jesus Christ is born today. And I love how the author started that line, give ye heed. You don't really speak in that kind of language too much anymore. It means listen, pay attention, give careful consideration to, you could say, in words of another Christmas carol, hark. Hark to what I say. Hark to what's here. There's something monumental that is being announced at this moment. See, the Son of God has come in the flesh, but we hear that, and you know what? I I often think that we have a difficult time grasping the magnitude and the glory and the humiliation of Christ's incarnation. We can read a text like 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. And it's it's wonderful to consider what we gain who believe in Christ, but, but what about considering what the Lord gave up? I read a story this week about a man named Dinesh Parmar, He's a banji in western India, and he earns money by doing the worst of the worst of the worst jobs. He climbs into sewers and latrines, removes dead animals from the streets in India. He's actually of the lowest degree of the lowest in the caste system of India. He's one of what they would call the untouchables. And they do all the dirty work. They do what no one else wants to do. And he will climb into a sewer, remove that manhole cover, climb down with nothing more than his shorts on, no protective gear, no mask, nothing, and clean it out, disgusting bucket by disgusting bucket. And it's hard to even think about it, so I'm not going to linger too much longer on that tonight for Christmas Eve. But let me just ask you this. Can you imagine loving that man or the Banji people so much that you would leave all that you have in this country to enter his world? To to be a Banji, to to earn a living in that manner, to, to face humiliation every single day, would you do that? I personally can't imagine doing it. But the incarnation was to such a greater degree than that, that the Lord took on frail human flesh to save sinners. 
For God so loved the world. John Calvin wrote, he said, when, when he was thrown into a stable and placed in a manger and a lodging refused him among men, it was that heaven might be open to us, not as a temporary lodging, but as our eternal country and inheritance, and that angels might receive us into their abode. He came in humility so that we could know eternal life. That's grace. Folks, that is news to give heed to. It's the news that John tells us that we heard read earlier in the first chapter of John's gospel. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Because the news that the shepherds heard was worthy of rejoicing, And that's the constant refrain in the song. You you start every single verse with, good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. It's calling every fiber of our being to rejoice. It's an exhortation to do so. It's a call for us to realize that because of this news, the people of God are able to stand before God in rejoicing rather than in fear of condemnation. It enables us to bow before Him in worship with thankfulness and awe. And then we come to verse 2. It speaks to why Christ came. He has opened heaven's door, and man is blessed forevermore. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And man is blessed. It's the story of endless bliss. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Or John 10.10, Jesus said to them, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. You see, Jesus Christ was born for this. He's the only one who can do this. Folks, we cannot open the door to eternal life, eternal bliss, even, honestly, even eternal okayness we can't open the door to. Our works only earn us something very, very different. Jesus alone can deal with our sin and relieve us of the misery of that sin and ultimately of the pain of death and hell. And then finally, verse 3. Now ye need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. You see, Christ freed all those who trust in Him from the fear of the grave. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? Christ took that sting. He freed us from that fear. Leaving this life is actually not an end for the believer. It's the beginning of life everlasting of eternal bliss, of no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more darkness. But listen, 
I will say this, implicit in this verse. You hear these words, calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Folks, implicit in that is you need to respond. You can't just hear it. You're called to give heed, and implicit, you are called to respond in faith and repentance, admitting that you cannot do it on your own. You have to have Jesus. That's the only hope we have of endless bliss of eternal life. We have to respond to the call of Christ. So give ye heed to what is said. That's my encouragement to you tonight. As you go, and maybe tonight you have Christmas Eve dinner, huge dinner with family, or, or whatever you may do, and tomorrow, maybe the hecticness, give heed now to what is said. And you know, in just a moment, you're going to sing it to each other. As you sing, good Christian men rejoice. You are singing that to each other. So give heed to those words. Attend to this truth. This is the message of Christmas. So please don't leave without responding to it. The eternal Son of God took on flesh. He was born to save. This is the message for us. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks that you are Savior. In Christ, that in sending Christ, you have saved your people. And may no one leave here tonight without responding to the call. Lord, may we all turn in faith and repentance as we need to daily. It's not a thing to dread, but it is a, it's a wonderful gift that you've given us. And it does lead to rejoicing that we can stand before our God in great praise and in worship and in awe. So, Lord, thank you that because Christ came as a baby and lived and died and rose again and will return, we have great hope and great reason to rejoice. So we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand with us as we sing, Good Christian Men Rejoice. Christian. 